you see companies now charging electric vehicles in the multiple kilowatt level across those distances. It's not something that science fiction is here today. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Dowenhauer. Today we are talking about wireless power, transmitting energy without the need for cords, plugs, or conventional outlets. And the term encompasses a wide range of technologies, each with their unique strengths. At first I asked myself, why is wireless power important? After all, there will be additional expense to cut the cord, so it better be worth it. To hear these air power pioneers tell it, the main benefits are ease of use, efficiency, and the ability for a device to be fully enclosed. Your cell phone may be using a wireless charger. No need for jacks that have to be turned the right way. I was pretty frustrated when my wife's new Android had a different jack than my phone, which was only a generation older. Another big example are drones adopting wireless charging stations. As these guys become more automated, the charging cycle needs to be as well. Flash forward five years. Picture a drone that's just finished dropping off a package on your doorstep. After it makes its way back to the distribution facility, it lands on a special pad that resembles a piece of tile. That tile wirelessly charges the drone for its next trip, beaming several hundred watts of electricity the foot or so between the tile and the battery on board the drone. Our guest today is just one of the medium-range companies out there in this growing electronic sector. Now let's get into some of the science. Wireless power is a broad term for the technology. The two major categories are near-field and far-field techniques. As the name suggests, the range with near-field is limited. Two forms of near-field are inductive coupling, where power is transferred through magnetic fields between coils of wire, and capacitive coupling using electric fields between two electrodes. Our guest today employs a near-field capacitive coupling technology. And then there's the far-field technologies, which transfers power using beams of electromagnetic radiation, most commonly microwaves or lasers. These technologies require very precise directional equipment in order to receive beams of energy. There have been proposed schemes to beam energy up to satellites and then down to Earth as a form of wireless transmission. We'll get to that in another episode, hopefully. But for now, most of the wireless innovation is a few inches away down here on Earth. Our guest today this week is Neil Chalk, Vice President of Business Development for Solace Power, a Canadian company that specializes in resonant capacitive coupling. They say their technology is good for several inches and allows the energy source flexibility in its alignment. Solace has been around since 2007. They built their first prototype in 2012 and have since expanded into drones, automotive components, and military applications. I first learned about them while walking the floor of a Tech Connect Expo in Washington, D about a year ago. I grabbed one of their business cards on the table, and when I was thinking about a company to profile for this episode, the card was still there on my desk. Neil and I spoke over the phone last week. Based out of Newfoundland, he's in a time zone that's 90 minutes ahead of me on the East Coast. Didn't know they even had half time zones. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Neil Chalk. Here with Neil Chalk. 
Talk, Vice President of Business Development for Solus Power. And Neil, we've seen some wireless chargers for cell phones, but to what extent could we see wireless power in, say, the next 10 years? Well, really, mobile devices is what's driven the initial implementations of wireless power. And that's where, for the last few years, things were focused. But what we're seeing happen now in the market is it's expanding beyond that in a large, large way into industrial non-consumer applications, I would say. And where do you see the greatest benefit? I see that from your website, it says you're working with drones, you're working with automotive equipment, the military. Where do you see some of the biggest benefits happening with your technology? I think it's across even broader than that. We work in industrial automation space, and with those areas as well that you talked about in aerospace, defense, automotive, drones, mobile robotics. The benefits are accruing across all those market segments, and it really is dependent on the applications. In each of these market segments, you need to find these applications, but there are so many in all of them. How would it be different for, say, the military or automotive equipment? Depending on the application, not so different. So what we see as an example, there's a lot of rotating joints for electromechanical devices, and that type of application exists in aircraft, armored vehicles, where you have to transfer power across a rotating joint, but it exists in automotive world as well. There are a number of places in the automobile. And in those areas, that's an excellent example of a use of wireless power where you can make a contactless slip ring. So there are no more brushes, no more contact points, and have an indefinite life. Neil, I've seen where one of the obvious reasons for wireless power is, of course, the absence of cords, plugs, things like that. But what other advantages can wireless power have over wired power? And I was thinking more things like the speed at which something can charge or the efficiency. Are you making gains in those areas or maybe something I haven't even thought of? (laughs) Sure. Well, I would say that all other things being equal, wireless power is never going to be as efficient as a cable. And I would say that anybody who tells you otherwise is not telling you the truth. Now, that's all other things being equal. But what comes of that, of course, is that people that develop wireless power technology tend to spend a lot of time making their transmitter and receiver electronics very efficient. That's how, ultimately, the efficiency of some wireless power systems will actually be more efficient than a cabled system, I would say. Not necessarily because the actual coupling is more efficient than the wire, because it's not, but that the electronics is more efficient. That said, the value doesn't come from efficiency when it comes to wireless power, it comes from being decoupled. So the absence of cords and connectors, those values are really in being spatially free, also able to be sealed up. You can hermetically seal devices, remove somewhat the possibility of corrosion or water intrusion and those sorts of things. I think one of the biggest questions folks have is the distance you can transfer wireless power. I think these images of Tesla come to mind. Is there any potential to transmit power across small or medium distances? Well, it depends on the power level. So if you're looking at tiny amounts of power, sub-watt, I say for the most part, then you can look to companies like Osea and Energis, RF-based wireless power, and they can do distances in the tens of feet or a few meters. There's some questions of safety, so that keeps the power level low. Otherwise, yeah, if you want to talk really tiny distances, you're talking plain magnetic induction or passive coupling, and that's Qi would be an example of magnetic induction. Otherwise, we have resonant technology, and that's where most definitely, when you talk medium distances, companies like Solus Power here, we can transfer a fairly high amount of power across those sorts of distances. As an example, our Equus product that we've just released, we characterize that at 200 millimeters for a 35-watt power coupling. And we can do much higher than that across that same distance and across a higher distance, depending on what efficiency you're looking for and what the application itself looks like. You talked about the safety issue a little bit if you go higher. Is there a 
theoretical maximum high voltage where electricity could be transferred wirelessly. I think a lot of people kind of have this idea that at some point in the future, there could be wireless high voltage transmission. Can you add a little bit of color to that? Is that possible? It really depends on the application dependent thing. But of course, if you go too high, you make an arc welder. And we all know what those are like. <laughs> that said, of course, practical wireless power implementations don't even approach those kinds of voltage levels. In short range, short distance power transfers, you see companies now charging uh, electric vehicles in the multiple kilowatt level across those distances. So absolutely, it's not coming, it's here in terms of wireless power and high power levels being able to be transferred. We can transfer in the many tens of watts and hundreds of watts across distances like we talked about earlier in the hundreds of millimeters. So it's not something that science fiction is here today. Again, about the distance issue, you said you're able to transmit between 200 millimeters, but what about several tens of feet? Are you working on that kind of distance for transfer, or is there kind of a theoretical maximum that you can safely transfer power? Kind of give us an idea about the the distances that you can transfer this kind of power. Sure. Depends on the power level, but right now, if you want to go into the tens of feet, you're really limited to RF-based technology. But because it's radiated energy, it's not an extreme near-field phenomena, they're restricted for safety reasons to power levels that organizations like the FCC would deem safe. And there are standards around that to make sure that no one's in harm's way. If you're talking power levels in the tens of watts and higher, then no, that is a wonderful dream that Tesla had, but there are no practical way of doing that in a broad way or over longer distances. There are such things as laser-based power couplings or microwave-based power, but they're really the domain of very, very specialized applications such as the military may use. Why is that a safety issue? Because your body will absorb the energy and it's not safe to absorb too much of that. We all exist daily in a sea of energy. It's not harmful. There's no issues with it. But if the levels exceed certain values, depending on the frequency and so on, then of course they can be not safe. So the regulators are working very hard to make sure that that doesn't happen. And any company involved in wireless power technology is subject to those safety standards. Let's take it back into like the home. I think about every weekend when I'm vacuuming my house and I'm dragging the cord around. What does that look like? Is there a future where I have my vacuum cleaner and I don't have to move the cords around and plug into different outlets? What would that look like? Well, I would say that again is already here in some respects, but really what you need is an energy storage device in your vacuum. And then you can have that today. You see it in the little like Roomba companies like Bissell and so on have little vacuum cleaners that you can charge up and they will go around your house, do your vacuuming for you. There's no reason to think that you couldn't have that in even, say, a charging system in a larger stand-up vacuum as well. And as they become more efficient and the battery technology has more capacity, can charge faster, then I see that as the probably most probable way of giving you a vacuum cleaner that's free of cords because the dust part has to be stored (laughs) inside the vacuum in those scenarios. Otherwise, you're going to have a big old cable to drag around anyway. Are we heading to a future where outlets are a thing of the past? I'd say not totally. I'd say that they'll be less important, but I would say that lots of times you'll want enough energy that it's nice to have some of those around. I also think you'll see at some point featureless outlets. Outlet that could be a circle or a rectangle or something, but all you need to do is lay your receiver part on it. So maybe it's magnetic or it's hooked on, and that way you can have safe for children, also for outside applications, no water intrusions. I think it's just a more functional, safer piece of technology. Neil, is there a need for a standard 
per se these wireless outlets, these plates, if you will, the same way we have a standard for different power outlets in different parts of the world? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know this. The IEC's job one, the International Electrotechnical Commission Standards Body, their job one was to standardize electrical outlets around the world. And so, as you can tell, they haven't been too successful with that. The wireless power side of it, I think there may be a variety of standards. There's also no reason to think that you can't have hybrid systems where, depending on what kind of receiver you have, then a given outlet might not support different standards. But I think there's definitely going to be a movement towards consolidation of technology around capability. You have a requirement that as Jay, when he leaves his home or his phone sits and charges, goes to his office, it charges there, he runs to the shopping center, he can charge it there, goes to a restaurant or an airport, and he can charge it. So interoperability is a big, big deal. But interoperability, some performance has been sacrificed because you could do the same thing with resonant technology and have more spatial freedom. It's just a little bit behind now. So I think you're going to see performance drive standardization, but it's a little bit down the road. You've mentioned some other companies out there and they have some different technologies, but give us an idea about how packed this industry is at the moment. I've come across a few companies, U-Beam, Ytricity. What sets you apart from those guys and how are you competing exactly? What exactly makes you guys different and would something have to be sorted out? Give us a little bit of an idea about the landscape and, and what everybody's kind of working towards. Absolutely. When you think about competing technologies and the VHS versus beta sort of thing comes to almost everybody's mind, that example is a very simplistic one because while one format was technically better than the other, the consumer couldn't really tell the difference. Therefore, it became another kind of war. And when it comes to wireless power technology, it's very different. And we've been saying this for a long time. We always say that there is no one size fits all for wireless power. And when we say that, we're not trying to be glib. What we're trying to say is that because of the technical or the performance characteristics of different wireless power technologies, you end up, depending on your application requirements, with a optimal technology that might be unique or maybe you only got a couple competitors for that application. When it comes to Solus and our technology, the resonant capacitive coupling, we compete very strongly in the very short distance up to, we would say medium distance, and we compete up to the medium power level, so into low hundreds of watts. And so for us, that's a fairly open market space where we actually concentrate our energy. So Qi can't go higher distances nor higher power levels, and the RF folks can't deliver power levels. They've got the distance. So we end up in a space that's fairly alone for those applications. If you look at the landscape, you'll see the companies, if you list them off, look crowded. I don't think it's as packed as it might appear on the surface. Okay. Anything you'd like to add? This technology is very new to me. Any thoughts, anything that you'd like to mention? Sure. Our approach to the market is very simple. We think a well-educated customer is the best customer because they'll make the right decision. If it's not you, well, then you both are still winners. Customers should be discriminating around power level and the distance that they need to make their application practical for their use. Really, what's important, I think, for the consumers of wireless power, they should really characterize their application performance requirements and then start to look at the possibilities out there in the marketplace. Okay, fantastic. Neil, I'm going to finish up with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies. First one's natural gas. Great. Some point will go away. Crude oil. It's decline. It'll take a little while longer. Nuclear. It's going to be around for a while. Coal. Go away. Wind. 
It's going to be around as well, but we'll go away. Solar. If we can break the technology, it's going to be around for a very long time. Biofuels. It will not survive. <laughs> Fuel cells. If we can get the physics sorted out, it'll be around for a long time. Those are consumer items. I'm going to kind of lump you guys under that massive heading, but wireless power. Oh, it's going to grow. It'll be something that we just become used to, and it'll be taken for granted. Hydroelectric. It's the basis till we get things right. Geothermal. Nah, never make it. Electric vehicles. Oh, bring them on. Energy efficiency. Absolutely necessary. And nuclear fusion. Can't wait. <laughs> Neither can I. All right, Neil Chalk, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. You have a good day. That was Neil Chalk, Vice President of Business Development for Solace Power, a wireless energy company in Newfoundland. And my wife would like to add that I do not vacuum the house every week. Just want to make sure I'm keeping it honest around here. Special thanks to Libby Carew and Cassie Pittman for helping to set up this interview. They have sent several pictures which you can check out on Instagram at Host Energy and online at energy-cast.com. All guests are sent the raw and completed show the week of release. So far, no complaints. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 32. Be sure to join us next time when we see how fuel makes the difference in both efficiency and safety in the world's largest nuclear plants. Until then, I'm Jay Dauenhauer. We'll see you next time.